0: Welcome back to part two of episode five. We hope you enjoyed the first part. Now back to the episode. To our listener, thank you. Thank you for all your support and feedback. We see it and it's the fuel that ignites our journey. Please remember to like, continue to give us your comments on Instagram, subscribe and share our podcast with at least two friends as you continue to improve your experience enjoy the rest of the episode
1: so we have a very cool segment on our podcast and we're going to play a game with you guys and we have set up a game for you guys to play jc you can take over
0: thank you so much Rudo. so at this point I'm going to quickly explain what the game will be about and then we'll pretty much just uh, run through the game and we're going to keep it as short and concise as possible. Um, The game is called Never Have I Ever. Some in the room may know it, but it's basically asking a question and then um, players respond with whether they have gone through that experience or they haven't gone through that experience. So on some questions, I might ask you to elaborate. On some questions, we might just leave it as that, and I'll ask the questions as we go. And we're just gonna go as quick as possible through it. Um, so first question, I'm gonna to give to Elsie. First question, Elsie, if you're ready. First question is: Never ever ever bet on something. I have. Okay. Next question: Never ever ever lied to a friend to avoid a greater evil.
2: I have.
0: Do you want to tell us about
2: that? Um, I like the way you asked, like it's only one time I did it. So <laughs> <laughs> there was a time that I, my friend was, Wow, well, this one is personal, but it's the one that is in my head. I can't think of any other example. Um, my friend really liked this other person and I knew that this other person was up to no good. Um, didn't want it, what my friend wanted and i couldn't watch that go down you know of course i tried to talk to my friend but love is blind and you could you can't really argue with love so i knew i had to do something because i know like i've seen this story before i know exactly how it's going to unfold this guy is no good right so i lied that he was talking to me as well as talking to her so we ended up just being angry together and then the greater evil was avoided
0: that's funny so i'm going to continue on two more questions um never, ever, this one um, I'm, I'm sorry to push in a double entendre situation yeah but you can navigate this one as best as you can never ever ever escaped from class
2: <laughs> you want me to get into trouble i have never really like left the zoom call you know, like I don't leave the Zoom call, but I have left the room, like I've left the class running and gone, probably fixed myself a snack and then came back. <laughs> but I'm always sure to keep up. Not your class, doctor. Not your class, I promise. Are you sure?
3: How can I tell it was not my class?
0: <laughs> um, Dr. Emmanuel, I'm asking for you to roll back the ears a little bit, you know, just know keep things light and fresh i'm gonna ask two of the students the same ones i asked her um so first one to you never ever ever bet on something
3: well i have
0: do you want to tell us a little bit more about that
3: this is like um betting on life not really betting on a game or a sport you know so at the time i finished high school right? You know, finish high school, you're an A student, you're really feeling good about yourself. And then you just lay out all these plans. And I, I had a bet on life that by the time I'm 25, I would have a wife and I would have a, and I would, and I would have a mansion. So I bet on life by the time I was living high school that at 25, you know, I'm going to have a wife and I'm going to have a mansion. Well, it didn't happen, you know, but it was a pretty cool bet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of us can relate to that and uh, i'm pretty sure it's happened now but we won't get into it <laughs> next one never have I ever lied to a friend to avoid a greater evil definitely uh, lied to a friend to avoid a greater evil stir an example that maybe can shed a positive life for people listening
3: well as i said um to avoid what i thought was going to be a catastrophe for me so i lied so uh Again, you know, as a young person, you know, I, I wanted to show off to this, you know, to this girl. So I um, uh, took her to a restaurant for, you know, for a meal and then um, discovered that I didn't have enough money to pay. <laughs> you know, I was trying to show off, I didn't have enough money to pay when the bill came. So I um, excused myself and I went to the manager's office and I took off my wristwatch and I gave it to the manager and I told the manager, I just told the manager outright, you know, trying to impress this person and the bill is too much, I can't pay. Hold my wristwatch and later I'd come and pay the balance and stuff like that, you know? So when I came back to the table and the girl was like, what happened? I'm like, no, I just went to, you know, I didn't really like the way they served us. I just went to, to give them a piece of my mind. <laughs>
0: Right, and I said you You must shed a positive light on it. Definitely the positive light is all the notes that the men have taken from that. Thank you very much. Um, the next question is, so again, rolling back the years a little bit, never have I ever cheated on a test? If you can think back to the times when you're still studying, if you had
3: to, and why? Never ever cheated on a test? Definitely have. Um, that we were, um, I did my high school in Nigeria, in Lagos, and at the time when I did my high school over there, uh, learning a Nigerian language was compulsory. So you had to either learn Igbo, Yoruba, Hausa—the three major Nigerian languages—was definitely compulsory. And so I, I, I don't have a gift for language, right? So uh, it was really, it was really, it was really tough, and it was really hard. So, of course, those students that could, could, could do the language thing really well—if I could catch a glimpse of someone's paper or even. Asked them for help while the test was going on. Temptation was too great to just do that. Else I was going to get a zero. And of course, nobody wants a zero. You know, that was, that was, that was how great the temptation was. So.
0: I know um, it makes sense when push comes to shove sometimes, you know. Um, last question. I'm going to go with... Mm-hmm. Okay, this one will have a follow-up question. Never ever ever traveled by plane? I have. Can you uh, tell us... An- Experience that you've most enjoyed being where you also had a lot of injection of culture?
3: Uh, definitely in terms of in terms of, of, of enjoyment, uh, the, the, the culture side, okay, we'll come to that, but in, in terms of enjoyment, I had a very unique experience traveling by air uh, sometime in 19, I think it was 19... Uh, Nine to five? Was it 95 or 2000? I think it was 2000, yeah, 2005, 2006, right? So, uh, the middle of my PhD, I was in Cameroon on field research. I got invited to a conference in Australia, a PhD conference in Australia. At the time, we didn't have a, an Australian embassy in Cameroon. The Australian embassy was in South Africa, and you had to DHL your passport from Cameroon to the Australian embassy in South Africa. Then they, 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 If they give you the visa, they don't give you the visa, whatever, they would then DHL, they would then send it back to you by um, courier. So as things went on, I did this a bit late and um, the day I was to travel had come and my passport, I'd been given the visa but my passport was still at the Australian Embassy in, in South Africa. So myself and a friend were like, what's gonna happen? I really need this opportunity. I can't let it go. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to the airport. I'm going to Kenyan Airways, shout out uh, to Kenyan Airways. I'm like, I'm going to Kenyan Airways because my ticket is Kenyan Airways. They were to take me from from Cameroon to Nairobi, Nairobi to Johannesburg. And then Johannesburg, I was to get into Qantas to Australia. So I'm like, let's go to Kenya Airways. So I get to Kenya Airways at the airport in Cameroon. I went to see the manager there. And I I explained the situation to the manager. And he said, you're sure you have the visa in your passport? They've given it to you, it's in Joburg. I said, yes. They said, okay, tell the the, the Australian High Commission to send it to Kenya Airways office in Joburg. Instead of sending it to Cameroon, somebody should 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 take it there to the Kenya Airways office in Joburg. So someone, fortunately for me, the 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 Australian High Commission in, in in Joburg, a shout out to them in South Africa. They were helpful. They sent it to Kenya, they sent my passport to Kenya Airways office. In Joburg, the Joburg office now faxed my visa page. They faxed my visa page to Kenya Airways in Douala. So the manager sees the fax of my visa page. He said, yeah, you do have the visa. He said, you know what, young man, I'm going to help you. So he said, okay, just wait here. When it's time for the flight, I will personally walk you to the flight. He said, I'll personally walk you to the flight and show your credentials to the immigration officials and everything. So the time comes, he walks me through immigration and listen, everybody had told me, even the immigration commissioner that we met during the day at the airport had told me, my uncle, people who worked at it, everybody had told me, forget about it. You cannot travel. Your passport is not with you. You cannot travel, forget about it. But he walks me to the immigration decks, to the immigration director and said, This is the fax of his visa. It's in Kenya Airways office in Joburg. So the immigration director looked at me, looked at this this guy. I I was carrying nothing. I didn't have nothing on me because I was just going to try. Nothing on me, just a little bag I had. So he looks at me, looks at this director from um, Kenya Airways and said, because of you, the director from Kenya Airways, I'm going to stamp this plain fax. So they stamped my fax, rather than my passport, they stamped my fax and they let me go. He then called Kenya Airways in Nairobi and told Kenya Airways in Nairobi, he said, there's a guy coming on this flight. He doesn't have his passport on him, but his passport is in Kenya Airways in Joburg, you can confirm. So when he gets to Nairobi, you got to put him on the next flight to Joburg, else they won't let him get on the next flight to Joburg. So I get to Kenya Airways in Nairobi and I go to Kenya Airways office in Nairobi. They said, okay, yes, we got the message from Douala. Just wait here. When it's time for the flight, we're gonna take you into the flight to Joburg. Because if you go on your own, they won't let you get in. So Nairobi, they take me and put me on the flight to Joburg. We get to Joburg, a Kenya Airways staff comes into the plane, immediately the plane lands. Before anybody gets off the plane, a Kenya Airways staff gets into the plane in Joburg, and, and raises up my passport and says, who is Emmanuel Siri in this flight? And everybody was like, you mean someone is in this flight who didn't have a passport? <laughs> and he's only collecting his passport right here. <laughs> you know? So that was just an out-of-the-world experience. You know? And eventually, of course, I got down and I got to Australia, with you know, a place of rich culture eventually. But that was an interesting traveling experience.
0: Definitely an interesting traveling experience. I've I've never heard of that. To be honest, um, yeah, you, you don't you don't you know normally passport one of the first things you have to clear up as soon as you're there. Without a passport, you know people people get to the airport and go home with all of their family for one passport. <laughs>
3: absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, it
0: was an amazing experience hmm so that story has a lot of uh, you know call it grace and a lot of um, <laughs> so, you know it has a little bit of everything so thank you so much dr emmanuel so with that said i will close off the game that was it thank you for your points shared and we'll quickly shift over to concluding the session
1: most definitely dr emmanuel and i most of resonate with that as a black woman and I'm sure Elsie, you too, you would want to be appreciated. However, Dr. Emmanuel, and Elsie, you can add on, I'm gonna try challenge you a bit and push back. Um, I, I hear you, you mentioned that it's particularly a, a white group of you know, individuals should appreciate. So I'm gonna sit on the fence, I'm gonna not be biased for now. Do we, do, are we attacking white people? Do we feel like, are they double standards? Um, considering that you know most black women can have the liberty to you know explore different hairstyles, do do you think they don't deserve the same? What's your opinion on on that? On the double standards that cultural appropriation can have.
3: Excellent point about uh, double standards, right? But then this is where talking about appropriation and appreciation, we have to talk about the role of history in this. So, historically, we had our own hairstyles. I'll use the example of the hairstyle again, right? Historically, we've had our own hairstyles. I mean, you just have to go to museums and look in the books and all of that. You'd see pictures from way back, 50, 60, 70, 100 years, and even older than that. We've had our Black hairstyles that we've been proud about, right? Now, the shift where Black women, for instance, began going with the hairstyles for white women or the white community, because that is what has happened in lots of African countries, and even here in the United States and in Britain. The shift began to happen when black women began to suffer discrimination because of their own hairstyles. I mean, you want to go to work. And you get to work and you're told you can't spot that. You can't bring that. You can't bring that. What do you do? Do you Do you now stay and let your children starve because of your hair. You know, wisdom dictates that, okay, if they want straight hair, in order for me to do this job and prove my competence, okay, I'm gonna give them straight hair. You see, so the shift where um, black women all over the world began to go with hairstyles from other cultural groups was precisely mainly because of these kinds of discrimination. So it wasn't sort of you know uh, uh, conscious, cultural appropriation for fashion's sake. Today, yes, there is a fashion content to that, but historically the shift did not happen because of fashion reasons, you know? The shift happened because of very practical, pragmatic, survival reasons, you know? That's how that shift happened, and th- th- that's how normally shift happens where a minority group begins to take on the culture of a majority group all over the world that's how this kinds of shift happens the minority group sees this as a survival strategy i need to survive in this majority landscape i need to dress like an igbo i need to dress like maybe a zulu i need to dress like you know in order for me to move ahead as a minority so those shifts begin to happen but when is the reverse when Majority group, when people in majority groups begin to take on cultures of minority group, often, often, I don't say always, but often it's for exploitation. They admire it, they see it as different, and they see the possibility to make financial gain from taking on that cultural product or that cultural ideology from a minority group. So there is all that uh, power play there. And for us black people, black women, for instance, I would not, I would, I would not accuse my black sisters of double standards because my black sisters, they've been under so much pressure historically, and that's how this, this shift happens, you know, so, so I would, I would, I would, I would never go personally go that far, say, no, oh, black sisters, you know, the double standard. No, they were pushed to the wall.
2: Honestly, I... I agree with Dr. Emmanuel a hundred percent, a hundred percent. There is, you know, there is the argument that is double standard, but in, it is not because when we have straight hair or when we wear weaves or, you know, kind of duplicate what the type of hair white people have, we don't do it for the, ma- for the purpose of, I can do it better, you know, I wore it better. You know, and white people have never been discriminated over what they're wearing on their hair. They've never lost their jobs based on what they're wearing on their head. They've never, you know, had other people marvel at them in the streets and wanted to touch their hair at any point. They've never had that, right? So when we wear straight hair we tap into that privilege not only we're not doing it so that we can be better than them or so that we can say that we do it better than them we're doing it so we can survive and dr Emmanuel put this out there and i just want to emphasize on it is we're not exploiting anything if anything we want to be treated the same way as them we don't want to walk out and be judged over the afro that is on my head or the nappy short hairstyle that i have on because my hair shrunk today you know in the western world african people have a very hard time finding where to do their hair you get into a beauty salon and they tell you they don't do nappy so you have to walk out or when you do get a salon that can do your hair they're going to charge you a great amount right so it's easier i would argue to buy a weave a straight weave that you can straighten at home because your job won't allow you to go in with your your afro. So you buy a hat that looks like straight hair and you do that and you survive most definitely and thank you
1: both of you for ironing out basically you know the debate around double standards because it is um it is a major reason why people might fall on the fence or might be you know confused about cultural uh, appropriation because of this exact debate on double standards so thank you very much for ironing it out thank you very much to our guests for joining us thank you to our mind shakers for listening to this episode on cultural appreciation and appropriation my shakers, we encourage you to go out there and share anything that you might have learned from this episode as we strive to learn together and boldly shake the world.
2: Thank you so much for listening to the end.
1: If you enjoyed it, please like and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. But come on, let's do all of them, you know.
0: There's going to be more exciting episodes to come. So don't forget to follow us on Instagram at MIND underscore S-H-A-C-K. Underscore.
1: So see you on the next one.